Hello! Welcome to Kasinatian, Kasayuran, Kasaysayan, Kamatuuran. Experience, Knowledge, History, Truth. A show dedicated to discussing the latest topics of interest on Philippine politics and society from the perspective of Filipinos in general and Cebuanos in particular. This is your host, Ryan Dave Rayla, educator and voice in the wind. Tonight, I'd like to discuss with you about cultural heritage. And we are joined by some guests for tonight. Let me introduce them to you. We have from Ramon Aboites Foundation, Casa Gorordo, Mr. Daniel Orvin Alatraca. And also we have um, a friend from the University of San Carlos who is currently studying law, Mr. Um, Josh. No? So ito pilido na to, Josh? Josh, come again. Okay. Okay, so you Josh Reyna. Alright. So, um, for tonight, discussing about cultural heritage, we shall be tapping the experiences of both our guests on how, um, how this is conducted and um, perhaps they can offer insights as to what kind of an industry or what kind of a field cultural heritage is. So let's begin with Mr. Alatraca. So Mr. Alatraca, what can you say about cultural heritage in Cebu in particular? So Cebuano culture just like any just like any culture in the Philippines is dynamic. So tell us what makes Cebuano culture dynamic in your opinion? Well, for one because uh, if we take a look back at history, also uh, we were the uh, we were among the, the first ones who encountered with the Spaniards, no? Not the Cebuano, uh, the Cebuanos in general, but the Visayans. No? So, because we know that we know that Magellan arrived first um, as talk uh, was um, in popular history. Rizal, uh, sorry, no, uh, Magellan. Rizal, Magellan arrived in Limasau, held the first mass uh, allegedly. No? Held the first mass there in Limasawa, and Limasawa. And its surrounding areas was all was in a in a big part of what is called the Bisayan area, mga Bisaya, no, the Bisayan. And the Cebuanos is the Cebuano culture, the Cebuano people is a big part of that Bisayan uh, culture. So we were the first ones to encounter 
the Spaniards, and we were also the first ones to embrace Western culture. So we were, in a way, the first peoples in the Philippines who became a melting pot no? of West, of East, we say China, uh, Chinese, Chinese trade, because Cebu was also an so Chinese trade and Chinese influence was also very rich here. And Cebu in itself was an Indianite kingdom, so we also had Indian roots. Ah, no? okay, so we have Indian roots Indian as well. Roots. So if you take a look at Cebu, it's like a it's a, it's a cauldron, no? of various cultures, not only of the Malay world but also of the sea, uh, the Chinese, the Indian, and a little bit of Muslim also, and then a lot, a lot we have the, the West, which is the Spanish, no? and later on the Americans. Okay. Because Cebuano, the Cebuanos are good speakers, so yeah, good English speakers, so yeah. So Cebuano culture is a very it's a dynamic mix. Okay, so Cebuano culture is a dynamic mix. Dynamic mix. Thank you for that, Mr. Alatraca. Now let me go to Mr. Um, Reina. So Josh, um, regarding Mr. Alatraca's input that Cebuano culture is a huge mix of different cultures coming from the east and west. Um, how would you? How would you? Uh, how would you add to this um, to this point of Mr. Alatraca that Cebuano culture is mixed and match? Is there perhaps what we would call as an original Cebuano or a really native version of Cebuano not diluted by the cultures of the peoples that we have encountered? Go ahead, Josh. Um, we're having some te technical difficulties capturing your voice once again. Um, let's see. Okay, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Latraka, can you can you repeat some of what Josh has just said? Um, that's what uh, Josh has uh, mentioned. Um, I think he's making he's making a point that there there is no definite uh, Cebuano cultural identity. Because um, to begin with, Cebu has no uh, polit uh, political structure like a kingdom, no, or it's not that is non-recorded. Okay. Although I would like to uh, rebut that if if it's okay with um, with Josh, no. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I just okay. 
Um, although, um, if we were to look at history, history is based on the written accounts of historians and chroniclers. So, the primary source for the, the, the West's primary source of information for what Cebu really was uh, during the 16th century, early 16th century, was because of Picasetta, uh, no? And he actually described the, the attitude and the, the uh, sorry, the trading nature of Cebuanos because they were traders. The, the native Cebuanos were traders and were also merchants. Hence, Cebu being a trading port. And not only that, Antonio Pigafetta also made a landmark uh, description of the Cebuano, old Cebuano language, which um, apparently is not really known uh, right now because it's somehow being overshadowed by the Baybayin, no? by, the, by the Tagalog. Mm. There is a growing movement right now in the culture, Cebuano cultural community who somehow revive or restore the old uh, um, surat, surat or badlit script. Badlis. Um, the, actually, the term is badlis, right? Badlit. Ah, uh, okay. There are actually many terms. So, surat, surat, badlit. Badlit, The most okay. common term we usually use is uh, uh, badlit. Badlit, no? okay. It's almost, almost similar to baybayin. Hmm. Now, there is a very... What's actually interesting is that there's actually a significant difference between the Baybayin and the Padid scripts, no? But anyways, uh, going back, um, it's already documented that Cebuanos already had a sophistication of, uh, let's say, what is common for Southeast Asian civilizations at that time. Although the Filipino peoples weren't able to build, like, stupas, or uh, golden Buddhas like those in inland Southeast Asia, or even the Borobudur there in Indonesia. But the, the Visayans and also the Tagalogs operated in a way that it's, it's largely a it's large, it's largely a trading culture. Um, okay, na ko Bisaya, no? Yes, um, sure. Okay. So, di kung kung mo mga Cebuano kay mga Maro, I know, it's a somehow stereotype na marokeng si Bano kay mamuhangyo pa. Umumat mo palit, umutang muhangyo pa dyan. Tinood, tinood. Because that's in our, that, that is something in, in our uh, culture. And we also learn how to survive. Because unlike Manila, Manila, uh, Luzon is very, has rich soil. But Cebu in itself, it's not, it's not really that resource rich. So we we relied on other on trading. Trading is our like the cornerstone. Of, for me, uh, trading is like the cornerstone of our culture, of our local culture. Okay, so yeah. what you're saying is that Cebuano culture is defined, or Cebuano identity is defined by trading, no, as a means of survival and as a means yes. of acquiring not only more culture, but as a means of acquiring distinction. Is that what you mean? Mm. Okay. Yes. And also a value of practical common sense. Practical because common sense. Nick, yes. If I if I am to quote um Nick Wakin, uh, he said he described a Cebuano or was it a Filipino? But he described a Cebuano 
by making a comparison between Humabon and Lapu-Lapu. Okay. In Lapu-Lapu, we see the side of the kanang magiting isog, not willing to bow down. But, on the other hand, if you look at the character of Humabon, Humabon is shrewd, maro. So, that to me is the, that to me encapsulated what the Sibon really is. To the form of Lapu-Lapu and Humabon. Kasi gano kay Tisog, magitin, Okay. So these are um, stereotypical traits that has been passed down from generation to generation. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now. It values down to practical common sense. Okay. Now let's go down. Uh, let's go back to Josh. And um, if, for example, Josh would experience uh, some technical difficulties in in speaking. Uh, perhaps Mr. Alatraka can accompany and try to uh, give a summary of what he's speaking, no? Just in case um, there are technical difficulties as well. So um, here's the question for Josh. Now, going back to the point that um, there are characteristics that develop over time regarding Cebuanos, um, Josh, can we can we say that um, perhaps the, these characteristics have become um, points of what we would call as antagonism between Cebuanos as an ethnic identity and other surrounding ethnic identities throughout the Philippine Islands? Uh, yeah. Multitude of cultures, okay? you're saying that there is no um, if I may come in Josh if you're, you're saying that um, there's no what we would call as a unifying force behind all the Visaya all the Cebuano people is, is that what you're saying there's no unified empire to gather them together Uh, aside from uh, you know, 
So there's no unified cultural entity, uh, political entity. Okay. Okay. So um, thank you for that, Josh. Um, Ren, can you recap on some of that, um, of some of what Josh was saying? Hello. Oh, putol. Okay. Now, um, going back to the question of um, ethnicity, no, as a part or as a crucial part of our heritage. Um, any uh, both of you can answer this one. Um, would we say that um, ethnicity is a, a constant source of identity or is it a fluid source of identity? Um, well, for me, ethnicity is one, it's not constant, it's fluid. I agree with the fluid one. Um, cult sometimes culture evolves, no? So let's say, like, somewhat depends on on certain trends of society. So a culture would eventually evolve. Okay, culture would evolve. Uh, would evolve. I I say culture and even identity as like not definite. Um, if I uh, if I if I use the constructivist um argument, identity in itself. Is a is a construct, no. So it's not really um, constant. It's fluid. It's fluid. Okay. Mm. So it's fluid. Okay. Thank you. How about Josh? What do you think of ethnic identity? Constant or fluid? Yes. It's a small place, but Uh, 
Okay. So they took a lot of resources, they moved, and they diversified along the way. Okay, so that's that's an, an, a very interesting thesis. Now, um, since we're running a bit low on time, we can move to perhaps two more questions for, for both of you guys. Um, with regards to cultural heritage, and I presume that Mr. Alatraca has a lot of experience about the preservation of um, cultural heritage, especially the symbols of cultural heritage. Um, I'd like to ask, uh, how? what are the primary methods that we, sh we can preserve our cultural he heritage in the Philippines and in particular in Cebu, especially in a time like COVID-19, no? where um, people can't go out and about. So how do we preserve cultural heritage and how do we uh, share not only common experiences about cultural heritage, but how do we share it to the, to the younger generation considering the challenges of COVID-19 today? Which is, by the way, quite, uh, quite massive. Mm. Well, yeah. Um, in our efforts right now in Casagorodo, uh, uh, our aim, our direction really is to digitize culture and heritage. We bring culture and heritage to the digital world. We invite engagement not only for the youth but also for anyone who is in need of. Uh, cultural enlightenment so even as simple as holding webinars or even making people remember um who they are in the in in this time of crisis in this time of, uh, of, a, of a pandemic can really do a lot you know and it's not it's really you know, more on engaging with uh the, yeah, that's our main line they're taking on preserving Cebuano culture and heritage as of the moment. We bring music, arts, even the script, even the old Visayas script, uh, the budget, we're bringing it online. We're, we, we we want to start the conversation. No? Let's not forget who we are. That's what we usually say in the museum. Okay. Uh, so that's, a, that's an interesting theme for this year, no? Let's not forget who we are. Okay, so I think that's um, that's quite that's quite novel con considering that um, at this time people really need reassurances and tapping into their um, heritage can can give that assurance especially in this uncertain uncertain times okay um, how about Josh uh, what do you think of um, the input of mr. Alatraca can heritage actually inspire people in this time of the pandemic yeah of course uh... It's a. Uh, it's um. I, I think you're trying to say that um, heritage can be a form of collective pride for the community, no? And as a form of collective pride, that can be a source of inspiration for in, in times of 
um, in times like this uh, in the pandemic no okay so those are those are very interesting inputs now we're on to the last question and um, I hope both of you can answer this one um, it's about it's about um, how heritage has deteriorated in Cebu and this is this is quite a depressing topic to think because while Cebu may be considered as the queen of the queen city of the south no in the Philippines there has been um, a lot of issues regarding its downtown especially many of its um, older buildings are decaying no and have become um, many of them have become derelict over the years so in that regard um, can heritage become a priority of government in the in not only today in the age of the pandemic but in the years to come and how can we make that that so no how can we make heritage a priority of the local and national government okay so yeah that is actually the biggest challenge the culture and heritage community is uh, currently facing and is about to face uh, post pandemic um, the way we see culture and heritage is um, architecture or or old architecture is just a segment of uh, culture and heritage. That, that's still a very contentious issue um, whether we should progress. Like if we tear down an old house or an old building for the sake of progress, uh, showing like modernity, that's it's always at odds with one another. But um, the way I look at uh, some what some countries like, for example, Singapore did, um, they did modernize, but they they kept the memories of the place and they presented it so well to the point that every the almost all Singaporeans are still very proud of to look back, you know. And I think that's one thing we we ought to create. You know? we 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 share we collect the stories, then we share the stories. Or possibly we can enhance the stories. So that is the line we're actually taking in uh, Casa Gorordo. Um, with that challenge, we have to collect the stories, the shared collective of store, collected stories of old Cebu and present them the best way, to the um, best way that Cebu can be proud of. Okay. You know? So present them in the best way. Collect old stories. Okay, that's a very noble cause that um, you and Casa Gorordo is undertaking. So kudos to to Renren Alatraca and Casa Gorordo. Uh, Josh, you would like to input on that as well. Uh, Colon Night Market as Heritage, okay.
Okay, preserve downtown Cebu as much as we can. Okay, now we're running out of time. We are down to the, our last minute. So, um, thank you, gentlemen, for this um, for this interesting exchange, for your inputs and thoughts on cultural heritage. So, we started off with um, a discussion about Cebu as a place and um, its culture. And in general, we tied up culture with ethnicity. And then later on, we tied up culture with um, efforts to preserve the past in order for present generations to to actually enjoy culture and of course the challenges of preserving heritage in a country that is or in a in a in a busy place like Cebu City which is um, all about progress okay and I think one of the lines that really catch that really latch on to me this evening is we must not forget who we are okay so those are very salient points that you shared, gentlemen, and um, I, I guess we'll have to end the session here. Okay, so thank you so much, sir. Okay, thank you too. Thank you to Josh Reyna and to Mr. Renren Alatraca. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. It's been a pleasure too, so thank you. Okay, and thank you for listening to, um, and thank you for to, for listening in um, kas kasanyatian, kasayuran, kasaysayan, kamatuuran, and we'll catch you on the next one. This is Ryan Dave Rayla. Goodbye.